Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Hockey World. It's Wednesday, September 7th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday, usually at 1 p.m. Eastern Time today at 11 a.m. doesn't matter if you're listening to us because um, you're li- you might be listening to us at a different time. And if you came come at 1, we're still here at 1. So uh, you'll, see, you'll catch us then as well. But we were recording it earlier today, so anything that happened between noon and 1, we don't know about yet. Um, due to time travel restrictions that are that you know that Google still is, is not allowed on this on their apps. So um but anyway let's get started a couple things a lot of different things about to talk about today sort of a hodgepodge of hockey things today um there was an, a rumor flying around that russia had applied did you see this i don't know if you guys saw this or not uh the russia had applied to host the world cup of hockey in 2020 um and uh that is an interesting an interesting twist when you consider what the world cup of hockey is which well, is an NHL thing. Well, they're testing the boundaries of it. Clearly, they're they're saying yep. if it's the tournament that it used to be, then we should get a crack at it. And you know what? They're right. They are well, right. And well, um, although they, it was this was this 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 was may have been it was this was put out by uh, by by um Alvis Kalinas Kalinas Ivis Kalinans yes Ivis Kalinans um and but however it was rebuked rebuked by Sergey Demidov who is an NHL.com writer um, who said, uh, this is not true um, that, that um, Rottenberg didn't say this. He just asked if he was ready. And he said, of course he said that they were, that they were ready. Um, so I'm confused as to what's really true here or what have you, but it does bring up the uh, concept that we were ta- just an interesting discussion point here that could another team, could another country besides Canada, the U S host this, this tournament. And would this, would that be something that, that the NHL would be okay with because the whole concept of this tournament seems to be a, a um, well, first of all, it's a money grab, right? For the NHL and the NHLPA. So you'd have to be able to sell tickets. Could mm-hmm. Russia sell this thing out um, like they are doing in Toronto for the kind of money that they're getting in Toronto? That's a big question, I think. Um, and then secondly, you know, the idea of this is to not have the guys travel like they do for the Olympics. And this would be, um, you know, and, and put this on it at good times, good times lots, which is not of course going to happen in Russia as well. You know, well, nothing against Russia at all. And I'm not going to certainly talk about that league that we cannot mention by name, but I'm just going to say that. Well, first, first of all, the uh, I'm sure that the Russians can guarantee it being a sellout. You know, we know that Vladimir Putin can just like funnel these people into the arena in Sochi, which they were just where they probably would hold it be, or maybe in Moscow. But yeah. you know, they, they spent $50 billion on the Olympics so they can reimburse the NHL and the IIHF for, uh, for right. the tournament if they wanted to put it in Russia. But I, I mean, I, I think the concept of maybe it being held in Europe, uh, not specifically in one country, but maybe like you know having preliminary games in Finland and Sweden and the Hamburg. Right. I think yeah. that, so I think that you're onto something. I think if I'm if I if I'm sorry, the screwdriver that I'm playing. If Very I, threatening. I, That's threatening there. You know, it's an ice pick that I use to kill people. Um, okay. Better than me bringing down the hammer. Um, no, I think the concept of 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 the preliminary games being in Europe. 
if I uh, now I might be wrong here, but I could have sworn that some Canada Cup games were done that way in the past. I thought that they were. Because yeah. I'm going to check that out for sure. But I I remember there was that. Is that true, Mike? I'm I'm pretty sure that one, there were some that were held in like Stockholm or Helsinki. Right. Yeah, like you know, and right. could you, could you think about it? You could have the Czech, you know, the Czech Republic and Sweden and Finland and Russia all in a division. Yeah. Put them over there. And um and have them play their preliminary games against each other over there. That would be fine, I think. But I think at the yeah. end of the day, the finals of this tournament are going to be in North well, America. I mean, think think about it. The th- the thing is, is that for the for the NHL and for the IHF, the games that they have to be concerned about in Toronto are those Finland, Sweden, Czech versus Team Europe. Those type of games. Canada, U.S., Canada, Russia, U.S. Whatever. Those are going to sell out. But it's the it's the more obscure European teams which we know about, but which they probably won't be. They'll probably be wanting to spend their money on on U.S. games or on Canada games or on Blue Jays games in September rather than pay, pay for Finland Sweden. Yeah. No, you're right, and and even though Finland Sweden's a great game to watch, go ahead, Russ. I was gonna say I just received a text from a comrade saying that they definitely would preempt Melrose plays for these games if they got it. <laughs> uh, there's conflicting reports there. Melrose Place is a big hit there. It's a new series, and so it's possible they would do it. You know, there. I think they should do it. But I will tell you this: somebody brought this up to me today, and it's a fair point that we never brought up. If Team North America were to win, they would not have a chance to to basically play again to to get their championship. Anyhow, those guys will all be too old. It'll be like Peter Pan. Right. Right. No, and this and this one, I want This makes me have to bring up a point because I got some nasty letters yesterday about our show. Okay, so I got some really nasty grams about our comments about Team North America being being an Oilers thing and being that you know that this was that that you know he would possibly that there would possibly be biased you know and everything like that and and you know we were just That's never having, happened. <laughs> we were having some fun with it, honestly, and I, I mean, I'm not trying to say that you know I, I mean I have nothing but respect for Shirelli and McClellan. Well, and, me too. I and, I, and I and I do like and I was the one who actually was saying that I didn't think that Ryan Nugent Hopkins would be there eventually, um, you know, and then, you know, it was pointed out that, you know, we were fine with that being all those Maple Leafs on there. But when all the Oilers are on there, that's a problem. And I think that that's not the case at all. Be, and and I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, we were having a little bit of fun with it. We really don't, I really don't. I do believe these guys are not simply, you know profiting from the, you know profiting the Oilers from being on that team I, I I'm just saying this growing up in okay I grew up in Philadelphia and I remember in in uh, 1992 when Bobby Clark was general manager of Team Canada and put Eric Lindros on Team Canada before he'd even played a game in the NHL um you know that was definitely the case you know that he was giving him he was giving him you know he was giving him like a for his own team's sake and I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with doing that I don't think the Oilers were wrong in in wanting to, you know, the Oilers need to give Nugent Hopkins confidence. I don't think that's a problem. Um, if if it proves out over time that Nugent Hopkins isn't isn't, isn't you know performing and leg up because of the in that he has over Matthews, there's no question about that. We'll see. What, but you also said, hey, that might not be permanent, and you're right about yeah. that. Yeah, and that, that's what we'll see. You know, we'll see if he, if he, if Nugent Hopkins has a great tournament, then fine. You know, if if he's if he struggles, and I think I fully believe in Matthews will get that spot for a while to see how he can do. Right. And I don't think that's going to change. So I did apologize if we went overboard, but I thought it was, we were just trying to have some fun. We actually, in in fairness to the Maple Leafs, I did rip on how awful they would be in preseason to watch them without without those eight players playing. So I would think I was more ripping on the Leafs than I was the Oilers in actuality. Um. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, 
So let's get into um, – you know hockey's back when John Tortorella's back, okay? Oh, yeah. And um, John Tortorella's back. So he came out yesterday and said in an interview, because somebody who just, you know, decided to bring a lit match to the press conference. (laughs) I mean, there's no question. Talk about, like, what you know you can say. Things you can definitely say that'll just create a bleep storm. Here's one. Here's a good one. All right. Ask John Tortorella what he would do if one of his players sat during the National Anthem. Just, Just go ahead. Just ask him that question, you know. Um, and if he, of course he came out and said he would bench any player who did that and uh, that they need to respect their country. And, you know, that started a whole with, with Kaepernick and what's going on. That started a whole crazy thing. Um, if any of my players sit on the bench for the national anthem, they will sit the re- there the rest of the game, Torella said. Um, I think it's fair to point out at this time, you know, before I get your opinions, my, my two cents on this, that, that Torella is coaching Team USA. Right. Um, and that is a little bit different. You know, if he said this about the Columbus Blue Jackets, I would it would be a little bit maybe you know, which is represents a city. Um, remember, Kaepernick, you know, is, is is playing for a team that represents the city of San Francisco, where there's a lot of this stuff going on. Um, Tortorella is playing for a volunteer, coaching a volunteer team that's playing for Team USA. So I think that them standing for the national anthem is well, I, more I mean, that, likely. That 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 was going to be sort of my central point because if you if you look at it, okay, the San Francisco 49er ownership has pretty much stayed out of this and not had a problem with Kaepernick right. saying what he has said and doing his protest for. And, you know, it's his right as an American to do that. I think it's also his right to take heat for it from people who don't yes. agree with his stance. Exactly. Tortorella is the coach of Team USA representing the United States of America. If a player, I think... Uh, disrespects the country by showing this form of protest, I think it's well within his purview to say, okay, you're playing for Team USA. You can't do that. I mean, if it's, if it's, a, if it's a team and the ownership has no problem, okay. But if it's the country that you're representing, then I think there's repercussions that have to be met out for somebody who does something like that. I, I, think, I think what's important to point out is, he can do that because he's the coach, and that's fine. When you sign up for Team USA, you pretty much know what you're getting into as far as that. So I don't think anybody would even do that. But you also have to say the NBA is the only league that has a rule against this. Right. There is no rule against this in the NHL. So if something happened in the next two weeks and someone wanted to do it knowing they were going to miss a game, it's right. still their right to do it whether we agree or not. Right, the whole Mahmoud Abdul Rauf thing in the NBA, formerly Chris Jackson, who decided yeah. he didn't want to stand for the for the national anthem. It's like you know, I mean, I I get it. I mean, there are, there are th- there are me- means and methods of protest, and you know, Kaepernick is taking advantage of the fact that he's a professional athlete and has a has a stage that he wants yeah. to, to use. And you know, right now he has a limited window because if if you're a football fan and you know his career, he was a really good quarterback. His stock has fallen completely, and he probably is not going to be in the NFL in in a year or two. And probably this helped guarantee that because I don't think any other team is going to go out on a limb and sign Colin Kaepernick. Not only because he's not as good anymore, but because he he you know this is perceived as be making trouble. So I you know. Right. But I think it was a, from a standpoint of asking it at a hockey press conference, when there's clearly no yeah. reason <laughs> that this would even come up or happen, 
I think that reporter kind of knew what he was getting into, and I would never ask the question because I don't think the question's even relevant because well, it was a different sport, and it's nothing that's ever happened in that sport. Well, we can't complain about ESPN not covering this because they're covering right. more. Well, that's the thing, and that's that will get covered to death, right? Right, but, and that's a, that that's the the there's my issue because right. first of all, the question, like you said, I mean, this is literally throwing a lit bomb into a middle like you know yeah. what's going to happen right and and yeah. this you're talking about Tortorella here you're not talking about a guy who's going to hold back right he's the guy who's very proud of his he's the most winning american coach of all time he he's very proud of being an american he also is just not going to ever censor himself to any situation so you're looking at you know this is i mean there everybody knows <laughs> we jokingly say this and i've had this discussion with kevin allen before when we were sitting waiting for press conferences what's the one question you could ask that would just throw this room into what absolute tizzy like you can figure that out that's very yeah. easy to figure out right and, and and there always exist those questions and somebody inevitably will ask them but you but you know and, and usually do it in a way that it's professional um but there are ways you could do it that could just so totally send the place in that <laughs> into bad craziness I mean, but um I think that, Mike, I want to disagree with you for a second because – I'm sorry. I want to disagree with you for a second here because of this. Um, That that I think that, you know, just because you're wearing an American sweater, the whole concept of America is still your right to do these things. And although I – you know, when I said, you know, these players play for Team USA and they're on a volunteer team and all that, which is true. They're not getting paid for this. Um, So this – but, you know, they are still – I think part of I think the right is still there for these players to do that, um, and wearing the USA jersey is actually because the USA is bigger than the, the the jersey itself in this country is bigger than the anthem. You know, it's bigger than it's bigger than the people who run the country. It's bigger than it's bigger than all that stuff. So that's why I bring kind of like and it's interesting. The Sweden's general manager came out with a quote um, about this. Um, Tommy Bustet uh, came out with saying forcing people to sing the national anthem is on the brink of fascism. This is what he says, right? This so this this throws a little bit more light into the fire, right? So yeah, no, yeah. I mean nobody nobody's forcing them to sing the national anthem. They're just asking them to stand in respect for your country when yeah. your country's national anthem. I mean, anybody who watched the 1980 Olympics and watched the Miracle on Ice knows that the mo- mo- most moving moment of that whole thing was when Mike Ruzioni was standing on the medal stand and then turned around after the anthem, singing the anthem, turned around and asked all of his teammates to come right. up on the stand. It's, right. It is, I mean, I understand the symbolism, the Kaepernick, and I don't want to get into the, the, the racial aspect of it because it really has nothing to do with with uh, with what's going on with Tortorella, but I, I, just, I just think that it's... By doing that, you're eliciting a response, and I think that's something that, well, first of all, I don't think Team USA and the hierarchy of Team USA want that kind of response coming out of the out of the you know out of this team in the World Cup. I, I just I just think you know you're representing your country. You should not be disrespecting your country, and if your if your intent is to disrespect your country, then I don't think you should be playing. Yeah, I also don't know the an- the anthem itself is. The, you know, whether, I mean, I know that's one way of, that's, that's maybe Kaepernick's only way of doing it or other people's only way of doing it, but really the anthem itself stands for all the things that are about this country. And it's, it, you know, the anthem itself, in my opinion, stands for the fact, you know, that the, the, the flag was still there. It can mean a lot of things, right? But it can mean, it can mean, you know, during a battle or it can just mean no matter what happens, we still have this thing over us that's, that's, that allows us to be ourselves, right? So there's, there's so many aspects to it. So I think to me, it's a weird way of making a protest. Um, I know it's, 
it's a very it's a hot button issue. I mean, you're you're allowed to burn flags in this country. I mean, you're allowed to do that. That's what that's the reality of this. You're allowed to, and the national anthem is another symbol, like a flag, another symbol of this country, right? So, right, and this is this is the this is the equivalent of that. And, and so turning all this thing is, is a little uh, bit out of line, I think. I mean, and uh, but but at the same time, not as out of line as it's being made into made into. That's my conclusion. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think, and also from what I read from Mike's Twitter, you're allowed to underrepresent President McKinley's death in Buffalo. Like these are things you're allowed. Yes. Right. Right. No. <laughs> no. No. And 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 somebody, you know, I mean, you bring that up as a as a joke, but you know, uh, Ford's Theater in Washington, Dealey Plaza in Dallas, where two presidents were assassinated, they have been preserved for his for history. And in Buffalo, where William McKinley was shot at the Pan American Exposition, and I think it was 1901. There is a rock with a plaque with two horned <laughs> flags. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, it's so it's, it's it's awful. It's, com- it's, it's awful. awful. And and you know that to me that's ridiculous. And to me that's uh, that's not equally disrespectful, but very disrespectful of a U.S. president. I don't care if he's a Republican or Democrat or if you like him or you don't like him or you don't even know him. You should acknowledge the fact that that president was assassinated at right. that point. And it's in the middle of a residential neighborhood, so that's probably the reason why there's not a big flag or a big thing. But you know, still, I think there should be some acknowledgement of it. A bench, maybe they could do a bench, a podium. Yeah, yeah whatever. I mean, but Statue. but hey, there's real hockey news. You know, Jonathan Huberto. Let's yeah. let's get into hockey. Um, and, uh, let's let's move on from this edition of the Kelly File. Before we get before we get into before we get into, I do want to mention before we get into Huberto and and let let's just get all the sad stuff out of the way because this is um the other oh, thing about this is the um is that five years ago today was the locomotive crash in in Russia um very memorable time um where we lost a lot of a lot of players and a lot of hockey of the hockey world yeah. um there's you know a lot there's a lot going on you know today in Russia they're doing um they have some really moving moments of silence which you can watch on YouTube by yourself um. And um, but there are some really good things out there that you can check out, and uh, I think it's a good, you know, it's. it's and I'm glad I I I I'll give plaudits, and maybe this will get us back in their good graces. I give credit to the KHL for not playing a game on on the seventh of September and acknowledging that. And yeah. yeah, a lot a lot of a lot of people like uh former former Philadelphia Flyer uh Brad McCrimmon, uh a couple former Maple Leafs and Igor Korolev and uh and Alexander Karpatsev, uh Ruslan Soleil who played for Mike Babcock in yeah. Anaheim in 03. I mean there was a number of number of players. Pavel Dimitra was Pavel Dimitra on there. Pavel Dimitra, yeah, yeah. yeah, Pavel Dimitra. I mean it's yeah. it's really and and if I'm sure it's on YouTube. If you ever watch there you go back and see there's a real sports with Brian Gumble piece done by Bernard Goldberg where um even after the crash a year after, they were still flying the planes that they said were yeah. effective. Barry Smith, a former and a former assistant coach for Scotty Bowman in Detroit, you know, basically said that he he felt like he was taking his life in his hands on these planes. There was like holes in the floor, and they were still flying them. So you know that when people ask questions about why KHLers come over to the U, come over to the NHL, it's not just getting paid in a paper bag. It's also safety of travel. Right. Right. No. True. Totally, totally valid point. Totally valid point. Um, all right. So now on to hockey news. Huberdeau. Um, Jonathan Huberdeau has agreed to a $35.4 million six-year extension with the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. 
that's 5.9 million AP, AV, AV. That's about $30,000 a shift. Um, and, um, yeah, so there you go. So that's, which I know this cause we were just figuring out some other players shift numbers the other day. So it's around $30,000 a shift. Um, Giroux gets about 50,000 a shift. So anyway, um, there you are. And I think, and this is a interesting, Huberto is right on the cusp of where he's going. You know, this is a, a little bit of a risky move in my opinion. Um, I'm not, there are so many huge Huberto fans out there and I'm not one of them. I mean, I'm, I'm not yet. I mean, I could be. And I, I, I moments when I'm, I've been very into but his inconsistency to me. Russ, I mean, what are your thoughts? No, on I'm that? a big fan in the sense that I don't think you could teach his hands and his skating, and, and he has great vision. I mean, he had 59 points last year, which is nothing to see. Yeah. The problem is, and the only reason I say there's a problem is because this is the one contract that adds on to all of the others. So now they have 10 forwards, four defensemen, two goalies, that's $60.8 million you have locked into those guys. Right. Yeah. You better be right about those guys. Because yeah. It doesn't give you a whole lot of space to play around, and it doesn't give you, you know, which is kind of a strange situation for them to be in. Yes. Um, and, you know, it makes it feel like there's a sense of not desperation, but a sense that things have to get done. I feel like Florida was patient, and they had, like, we're going to be patient for three years, you know, and right. then they said, that's it. After three well, years, we're not going to be patient anymore, and this is – what's going on now. You know? Well, let, let, let me just read this off briefly. Alexander Barkov, Vincent Trocek, Nick Bukestad, Raleigh Smith, Jonathan Huberdeau, Keith Yandel, Jason Demers, Aaron Ekblad, Roberto Luongo, and James Reimer. What do they all have in common? They all have contracts of five years or longer remaining. You know, they, they, Huberto was signed for the same amount of money that Barkov was signed, and I I would argue that Barkov is a more important and more dominant player, but he just he's signed a more complete player. More he complete is. player. I, I, I'm not saying Huberto is not a good player. I think he's a very good player, and you can see what what this team has done over the last two years is locked up all their core group, and they've gotten them for probably less dollars than if they had waited and did bridge deals and and went and you know they probably would have. Had to pay Barkov, you know, seven million dollars. Had they not signed him to the long-term deal, I think it was last year. But as as you both have said, they've sort of locked themselves into place. This core better win because there's it's gonna be tough if if they don't work out to move some of these guys. The only thing is, I noticed, and Chris Johnston pointed this out. Huberto's no move doesn't kick in until 2019-20, so there is a little wiggle room there if right. they felt like things weren't working out. But there's not a lot of wiggle room in all of this. And so this is a situation where all the chips are being pushed in on mainly young players, and a lot of them are really good. A lot of them haven't reached their height yet, or at least we don't think they've reached their height. But they still – the problem that I see, the only problem that I foresee, and maybe this is where this extra money is going to have to go – is it's a it's a race against time for Roberto Luongo. Is he going to win a cup before he retires? I think it's a fair question. Well, the owner the ownership of the Panther the owner of the Panthers uh, Viola came out I think it was in June or July and said that you know that he wanted to win a Stanley Cup within three years. Well, I mean that sort of corresponds with a 37 year old Roberto Luongo before he turns 40. Now yeah. they they brought in Reimer and they're paying Reimer pretty damn good money for a backup, $3.4 million, would lead you to believe that he's not exactly a backup. He, he's probably going to be like a 1B there. To right. take, take a lot of the weight off of Luongo, not have him play 60 games a year, have him play 40 to 45, but then maybe he's the guy in the playoffs. But 
Yeah, the, 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 they don't. They didn't leave themselves open to a Carter Richards um, option in Philadelphia, where they traded these guys before the no move clause kicked in. I think, with the exception of Huberto, like Russ said, I think most yeah. of them have no moves, so they're locked in. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it, they're, they're gonna have some big. Like you say they're gonna have they're gonna have to fulfill their problems here. I mean, or else they're, they're gonna have problems. I mean, they're gonna have definite problems. I think. Uh, and you know, if Florida doesn't go anywhere, like if I mean, and I think they will. I mean, I this team seems to be they're improving every year, and I still think they've got an upside. And I still, you know, obviously you've got some. They have an upside. Huge, you've got some huge pieces in place. Like but this you know. season, the issue is the, the changeover on defense. How long will it take for them to be a cohesive unit? It yeah. doesn't happen overnight. This is not like. Like we see this in other sports, the more guys you take out of the puzzle and the more new players you plug in, there is a point where they have to become cohesive. And this right. year with the World Cup of Hockey, some of those guys won't be there until late in camp. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I I like their core group. I think they have a lot of talent. I mean, I think there's a a, a possibility of some players who I think would be successes someplace else being pushed to the side. Like I I don't see the role for Nick Bukestad. I think he's going to be somebody who maybe eventually gets moved out because they've got you know, so much strength up the middle with Barkov and Trocek that I don't know whether Bukestad it's really fits in their plans. But, you know, I mean, there is talent there. It's just a question of whether it'll work. I mean, last year was a little too early. You still have the um, the influence of the veteran guy in, in, in Yager there, and I'm sure they're hoping that that will continue to help those yeah. kind of players grow. And he's a huge Huberto fan too. Yager, Yager yeah. is a really big Huberto fan, and I, you know, that I think plays into this. Though they really trust Yager there, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think Yager will stay there and then move into some sort of coaching there. Is what my my prediction is. I think that Yager is going to remain in Florida for a very long time, and he's going to play as long as he possibly can, of course. And sure. they're going to they're going to let him play as long as he wants to. I think it, because and, and he's not playing in the World Cup of Hockey. He's not. I know he's retired from uh, from international hockey, right? So that's what he says. Um, yeah. So this will be fun. I mean, the other thing that's kind of fun is that tomorrow starts the actual practice games um, for the World Cup of Hockey. Um, so we are in the last day where we are, can actually say we're not in a hockey game day of the summer. So um, that's exciting. Uh, and Finland and Sweden kind of kick it off. Together. <laughs> Finland and Sweden kick it kick it off with an exhibition game tomorrow, which I'm not sure if it's going to be able to be on, but I think we'll probably be on around the time of our show. Um, I was trying to figure this out, but and Sweden's are sorry, Finland's lines have come out for the. Um, I think I think I might have Sweden's too, but I know I have Finland's lines for tomorrow. So here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, these are Sweden's lines. I'm sorry, <laughs> Sweden's lines. Of course. I apologize. I knew I had. I knew it was Sweden. I was looking at something else. That's one of those countries. They don't really want. Mm-hmm. All right. One. So the first line. Go. First line. We have Team Vancouver with uh, two Sedins and Louis Erickson. Um, so this is the line that you'll see together, of course, in you know plenty of to- plenty of plenty of times this year in the NHL. Uh, the second line. Uh, Team Nashville. Philip Forsberg, Patrick Hornquist, uh, centered by Nick Backstrom. So there you go. You get the uh, a little bit of Washington in there as well. Uh, the third line is Kroger. Haglin and Silverberg. Tracking line. Yep. And then the fourth line is Raquel Soderberg and Landeskog. Landeskog getting fourth line duty is a little surprising to me. That's a little surprising, but he does have grit. So I guess they had to go with somebody. There's not a lot of size and grit on that team. And, yeah. Ra- and Raquel still has not been signed by Anaheim. So he's probably playing under, I mean, they, he's probably being insured um, because he team has. All state. 
Yeah. The, the, the three defensive <laughs> pairs. Uh, yeah. Farmers. Dun, dun, dun. All, right, farmers, yeah. all right. So we have uh, the, the th- your, your defense. Your defense uh, is Eric Carlson and Ekholm is your number one pair. Um, Ekman Larson and Jarmelson is your second pair. And Strawman and Hedman are your third pair. That's darn good. Weak. Um, Weak. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, can you – they have like arguably – I mean, Strawman is probably the least of those six defensemen, and he's a great player. Well, but- it – I mean, Strawman is the Jay Bowmeister of Sweden. I mean, right. he may not be one of the six best, but he fits perfectly with Hedman, whereas Bowmeister right. yeah. fits with Angelum. So I think that's the reason why. And it's a good it's a good thing. I mean, you know, when you play with somebody two, three years in a row, you know where they're going to be on the ice. So it makes a lot of sense that Strawman makes it. And getting the start for the injured Henrik Lundqvist, who will not be playing in this game, um, will be Jacob Markstrom. Yeah, he's the number good. two. So he's their number two. With uh, Jonas Enroth backing him up, so there's your t- there's your there's your lines for Team Sweden tomorrow. Um, no matter now, not not shabby, you know. I mean, I think that I do think this team is not. I mean, obviously losing Zetterberg is a big deal. Um, scoring wise, this team lacks a lot. I mean, my they opinion. do lack some scoring. They have good skating. They're clearly not going to play Lundqvist until real games start, which now because yeah. of that minor injury, they're good. They're Somewhere between one and five. I don't think they're one, though. I don't think they're the best. Yep. The other scratches are Lindholm and Backlund. Um, and Backlund. So. Michael Backlund, yeah. Michael Backlund, yeah. Right. So Not Bob Backlund, the former WWF. No, no, but th- th- here's the difference, though. You see, Michael Backlund is filling in. Who did he fill in for? Um, that was Zetterberg, wasn't it Zetterberg? Zetterberg. Yeah, Zetterberg right. would be starting. Backlund is on the bench. So that that's – a big right. loss. That shows you the big loss. Yeah, yeah. and it, it makes it makes them kind of like a Team USA where they've got two scoring lines, two checking lines, yeah. sort of. Um, that was that was the thing I wanted to I wanted to quibble about, but with the the connection that we had yesterday, I was you know it was tough to have a have a conversation with Kevin. Uh, was the fact that I don't perceive Team USA as being like this balanced attack. I mean, without Kessel, your main scorer is is is. Uh, is Patrick Kane, and I mean, there are other players who are good who can score, but I think that other teams are going to focus on Patrick Kane. Oh yeah, and it's tough for Team USA to score consistently. Well, I know this. Kevin and I do have a joke that we've used over the years. Scoring by committee means you cannot score. That's right. like that, and that when people say they're going to be scoring by committee, that means you you're not scoring goals because teams in the NHL don't score by committee in general. And, you know, and that means that you have, you're hoping on a lot of things. I mean, the second line on this team, I mean, Backstrom and Forsberg and Hornquist is a solid line. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Sedins and Erickson are a solid line. It's arguable. I mean, I guess you could say they're just a one and a one A. I mean, I don't know which line's better. You know, in my opinion. Uh, probably the Sedins. Probably the Sedins. Yeah, we'll still give the nod to the Sedins because of cohesiveness. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, it's the, the Sedins have been are getting up there though, and in, in and they are, but for this kind of tournament, they're not going to get knocked around too much. And, and I and I think you have to factor in that the Swedish defense will probably be the most offensive and in, offensively involved blue line of any of the eight teams because yeah. even, probably even more than Team Canada because with guys like Hedman and Ekman Larson and Carlson, they're going to. They're going to jump into the into the rush. They're going to attack in the zone. They're going to put teams on their heels, and I think you know that will make up for maybe any lack of offense or try to make up for any lack of offense they have up front. Carlson's used to making up for lack of offense, right? Yeah, um, 
it's I guess let's touch base on Chris Russell, who um is still not signed, and really surprisingly so. Um, it, I, I have to, I have to mention this because I thought um there's a the uh, Leafs launches a show and on the TSN radio in Toronto, and uh, our buddy Darren Brager from TSN had mentioned that. Russell might be amenable to a one-year contract, and that if that was the case, that Toronto might be interested in it. And I, and I posted that on on Twitter, and uh, Darren responded and said, you know, that was basically radio fodder, and that there are eight teams that are interested in Russell, and assuming one of them is Toronto, otherwise he wouldn't have said it. Um, but eight teams. I mean, it, it, I would think that if Chris Russell is going to go someplace on a one-year contract, it's not going to be to a team like Toronto because that team, understandably, at the deadline when they're not in the playoff race, is going to flip him to a contender. He's going to want to go someplace where the team is a contender that needs that one defenseman that he can stay there for the year and then use that use that year as a basis for signing a free agent deal. So I think he's going to sign with some, some team that everybody assumes is a playoff team that needs a defenseman. Well, it's weird because if eight teams are talking to him, the margin of dollars has to be the slimmest, right? Because Yeah, this is what I've heard, and this has been repeated by a lot of people, but so it's not like breaking news, is that, the team the, the the teams that he really wants to go to have cap space issues that they're trying to figure out. And there's a couple teams on there that don't have cap space issues, but he doesn't really want to go there. So that's the eight team list is made up of those teams, you know. I mean a team a team that he the team that he was with at the end of the season last year would make a lot of sense, uh, the Dallas Stars, because they are heavily dependent on young defensemen, and eventually they're going to have to give Lindell and Alexiak and Honka ice time and find out you know, what they are. But in the interim, this team is on the precipice of being a, you know, they, I think they can be a Stanley Cup contender. The goaltending is a question mark, and they have to eliminate as many other question marks out there, and adding Russell back into the fold might be a solid move for them, but they, they haven't moved on it. I, I, you know, I'm going to kind of agree with Dreger on this one, though. I mean, I, cause I have, I've also heard Toronto. I've texted people about it. Just, I was just texting somebody about it now and said, Is, have you heard anything about Toronto? And they said, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that what's going on here. Well, I is, think they're a fallback. I think Toronto's a but fallback. But I think exactly what you're saying, Mike. Like, here, they, they are going to, they are going to, they're going to move him at the trade deadline. And, and yeah. Toronto likes to do this. This is something that right. they've shown they like to do. Um, and, I, and, I, and I wouldn't have any. I would not have any problem with Toronto doing something like that. I think it's a, it would be a smart move by Lou Lamorello, like he, like he did last year with other one year guys like Sean Mathias, who brought in yep. and then flipped at the deadline for a draft pick. They're yep. they're interested in at, in acquiring assets. And Chris Russell got almost got Calgary a first round pick. If Dallas would have advanced further, I think it was a conditional draft pick, and it would have ended up being a first if they had gone to the. Uh, gone to the conference final or the or the or the Stanley Cup final, so he would he would get value back if he has a good year. And but I, but the problem with the Leafs is they have a group of five defensemen right now under the age of 25 that they have to find out whether they can play or not. And that's the right. thing. If you dep- if you put Chris Russell in there, how are you going to get Frank Corrado or Martin Marinson or Connor Carrick the ice time that they need to evaluate? That's the dilemma. No, that's for sure. I mean, that's and that's a good dilemma. We have a couple PTOs to mention before we get off the air today. Um, Devin Setaguchi, um, a tryout with the LA Kings. Okay. And uh, that's a. He was PTO'd last year with Toronto, so. Yep. 
yep, yep. And the other one was I just had it a second ago. Oh, um, the, the, and they're not brothers, but the Borks were both uh, PTO'd in Colorado, Gabriel and Renee. Right. Okay. And Peter Mueller with the Bruins. Um, That's yes. an interesting one because he had post concussion, and then before he got the post concussion, he was doing great with Minnesota. Right? Was it with Minnesota that? And he was scoring a lot. Was it Arizona? Arizona. It was with Arizona. Was Arizona. Yeah, that's right. A decent amount, and then took another hit. So he's a guy that really does have a lot of talent and goal scoring ability, if he's not concussed. Like if he's not yeah to it. Like I could see the the Mueller one could be a really great one actually. That could turn out well, and I feel feel like we've been down this road before. You know, with Mueller, um, with PTOs. I think we did last year. I forget where it was, but um. And then he ended up just going and signing for a little bit and then going to going overseas to Europe, yeah, if I'm right. He went to Europe, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he had a lot of talent. I mean, there was that there was a time where people thought he was a, like a legitimate top six forward. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he does, he does it. He does have tons of skill. Um, yes. uh, former Calgary Flames goalie Yanni Ortio has signed in the Swedish League. So he's over, over with uh, Skeleftia. A-I-K. It's, 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 it's funny that all those Calgary goaltenders, Jonas Hiller uh, went to Switzerland. Now Ordeo is signed in the SHL. Um, the only, like, all of them have not found – Kari Ramo, ex-favorite, has not found an NHL job. Uh, all, all, all of them – If Eck likes you, you're going to be without that's, a job. That's not true. <laughs> that's really not true. true. It's really not true. It's really not true. I, just, I totally present that. But, yes, it's okay. Oh no! I, I'm. You might be right. I don't know. Who is Carter Hutton signed with? <laughs> no, uh, the, the National Predators broadcast team. Um, that's ridiculous. Uh, just saying. I am not a. But the opposite is true, there, right? I mean, come on. Peter Mueller played three years with Phoenix. Uh, two C or two years with Phoenix, and then Phoenix and Colorado in 2010. It was Colorado. Uh, I was thinking of originally, yeah. Col- Colorado. Uh, yeah, that's where he started. 2012, and then Florida for 43 games. And the last three seasons has played in. He played two years in Switzerland and one year in Sweden. Still scoring goals. Uh, last year had 13 goals, 12 assists, and 43 games with Malmo. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've been to that arena, Malmo. Yeah, I mean, if you could get him for the fourth line and he scores you 10 goals, you'd be, like, over yeah. the – Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's big and he's got big size, yeah. you know, as long as he's – like you say, as long as he's healthy. Um, The uh, Russian captains were named, and uh, we have – so we have Ovechkin as the as the captain, which is not a surprise by any okay. imagination. Um, Malkin and Datsuk, although, you know, I was kind of thinking that Datsuk would be captain, but um, – he, you know, doesn't honestly, need to be. Like, it's, he doesn't need to be, no question about it. So, but, I was hoping for Radulov. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Radulov is going to be really interesting. And finally, the last thing we want to talk about today, um, and must rush if you got to go, you, you, can, you can jump I'll, off. I'll but. go with the final, then I'm going to have All right, up. the final thing is what I wrote about today, which is extremely controversial, and that would be the Carey Price situation going on now in Montreal, where Carey Price came out and said a couple quotes um, yesterday that led people to believe that he was blaming Michelle Therrien for the P.K. Subban trade. Um, and I am not one to want to back Michelle Therrien, but um, – in general, because I'm not a real big fan of his methodology, but in this case, I really don't necessarily agree with everybody that he was that he threw Terrian under the bus on this. Um, I'll read you the quote. Okay, so he uh, says he says PK is an offensive defenseman and a risk taker that made him successful. That's this is Carey Price talking. That's the way he plays the game. He doesn't want to change that, and I respect that. 
I respect the way he plays the game. His type of enthusiasm and his ability to raise fans out of their seats, that's a special gift and something that not many players are able to do. But the way we're coached on our team, the way our team is structured, that's not what we're looking for here. We're looking for a steady type of defenseman that makes quick plays and is able to move the puck right away. Shea Weber fits that bill perfectly. Um, and then also Price was asked, you know, were you surprised? He said, I had an idea that this was possible. I was surprised, but I had an idea that this was possible. The way our game is structured and the way PK plays, we're heading in a different direction. All right, so it is the coach. I mean, it, it, he doesn't design how the game is played. The coach does. And so, and, and again, I was at the Winter Classic where basically – Everybody was talking about Subban not scoring goals. Why was he not scoring goals? Because he was trying to play a different role to satisfy the coach. Right. That's where I'm yeah. going to leave you guys. See ya. All right, man. Thanks, Russ. Um, I'm 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 not completely in agreement with that because the the reality here is this. You know, I'm not a Tarian fan for his methods, but his his co- his the this team is structured around Carey Price, and. The reality is Carey Price is the kind of goalie, and this is what I had this argument with Montreal fans all about this trade being a good trade for them, and this is why, for exactly what Price is saying, because Price is the kind of goalie who there's never been a better positional goalie in the NHL, never been a better goalie at playing the percentages like than, than Carey Price. Carey Price is 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 brilliant, you know, is brilliant mentally in goal. Like he is he's he's mastered the position. Uh, his reflexes are amazing as well, of course, but his game is very much based on percentages and doing the right and being in the right spot at the right time and things like that. Um, and that is easier to do from a goaltending perspective with a Shea Weber there than it is with a PK Subban, just because Subban is, is, is an unpredictable player. He does things, he does things in unpredictable ways where Shea Weber will do, will always do the predictable thing. Weber is also, you know, they're well, both very creative in their offensive zone, but in the defensive zone, you know, Subban gets creative as well, where Shea Weber in the defensive zone gets very much more, you know what you need is which in with a carry price and goal you need a stability. I think that's what carry price is saying here. Yeah, well, I, I think you're right, but I also think that the the goal of the Montreal Canadiens going forward with the history now of Price's injury is to lighten the workload as much as possible. And with Subban as your main defenseman, he's always going to be a risk taker. He's always going to open himself mm-hmm. up for the counterattack. And Shea Weber is the prototypical shutdown defenseman who also has an offensive side to his game. As Mike Babcock referred to him yesterday, he's a man mountain. And you know, and that and that's the thing. It's like I mean, for this short window of two to three years, you know, where Weber is in his early thirties, he still he still is one of the best defensemen in the league. It makes sense for Montreal. I think what what a lot of Montreal fans have the problem with is that Subban is is significantly younger and a fan favorite and a player oh, yeah. that is 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 sort of in line with where the NHL is going, and they gave up on that because he didn't fit with the coach. And I think if this doesn't work, then obviously Terrian is going to be the first one with his head on the chopping block. Yeah, and I think that you know that's very easy. And, and and very true. I mean, it's very easy to realize because I think what we, of Terrian's style and what he does, but I do think that style is tailor-made for Carey Price. And I think that the reality of it is that, you know, and that's why that didn't work without Carey Price. I mean, this is a complete, this team is built around him. And I would venture a guess, you know, and Carey Price will never admit this, as much as he's a PK Subban fan, I think he's probably, if they had said to him, we can trade PK for Shea Weber, what would, what would you do? I think Carey Price would have agreed with him would agree with that trade just based on, you know, what I've known of him. And I might be, and that's completely, you know, my own speculation, but just in terms of this is, this is the kind of defenseman that he would want in front of him as a goalie. Um, 
you know, Shea Weber, who wouldn't want Shea Weber in front of you? Well, I mean, I mean the interesting thing about this is you have, if you look at PK Subban and Carey Price and Shea Weber and Pekka Rene, okay, let's, let's take these goalies. Really, Shea Weber and Carey Price play the same way, and Subban and Pekka Rene play the same way. So Rene is is not your positional goalie. He's not percentage goalie. He is very he's very much a, a take chances type goalie um, who relies on his size and reflexes, mm-hmm. um, like Subban does. So that what what will be interesting is could this possibly not work in either situation because you know you had a balance before. Well, of, you, you're going a completely opposite direction in Nashville from the yeah. conservative Barry Trotz defense first right. type mentality to now, as you say, a risk-taking goalie in Rene, who they've had for a while. And, you know, I mean, I think Yossi is a stabilizing factor there. No, he is. There's no question. And they had an Ekholm, too. And they have they have a lot of stabilizing factors there. But top your top defense and, – and that's why you can make this trade in Nashville. And that's why I think it's a great trade for Nashville because – And but also La- just – Laviolette is an offensive coach. He's a risk-taking right. coach. Right. So that's, so that's why Subban is, is fired up to go. I mean, it, otherwise – uh, he, he, he never wanted to leave Montreal, but he's excited about this because he knows that Terrian's still going to be there. If Terrian wasn't there, I think PK would want to be in Montreal even more. But, and I do agree that that, you know, that PK and Terrian obviously never got along. I mean, there's no question about that, you know, that there were all kinds of issues there. Uh, PK's through Terrian, through, I mean, PK was thrown under the bus by Terrian on several occasions um, over the years to the point where, you know, he wasn't endorsed. He didn't endorse him for the Olympic team in Sochi. I mean, just, and that was behind the scenes where there's stuff in front of the scenes that he they said as well and mistakes he made. But, um, and now you're not going to see that at a Laviolette for sure, because Laviolette is, is okay. So it's always been okay. If you make a mistake, as long as it's an aggressive mistake, that's let's Laviolette's theory. So yeah. make it, okay. make a mistake as long as it's an aggressive mistake. Don't make a, don't make a conservative mistake. La- Laviolette will be much more supportive of Subban and the way he plays, but yeah, I mean the thing. The thing is, is that I think Weber feeds in, or feeds right in, and fits right in perfectly with what yes. Terry has in mind for the Canadians. So in the short term, they could have some success if, and I keep saying this, if they can score more effectively. That means Radulov will have to be a success in providing yeah. some offense uh, to to alleviate some of the pressure on a guy like Pacioretty. They need to score more goals, and if they do, and if there's a lot of ifs, but if they score more goals and price is healthy, then they have a chance to get back to where they were a couple of years ago. The interesting thing is how much these Canadians remind me of the Predators from a few years back. Um, I mean, beyond just the idea of Shea Weber and Radulov, you know, being there and being two major players on the team. Yeah. You know, in the Thomas Vokun era um, of the of the Nashville Predators, um, you had a goalie like Carey Price, you know, who was, who was, and you had, then that's when Radulov was there and that's when Weber was there. And that's when you had a, and that team on that, on that, that Nashville team had a really hard time scoring. Yeah. Like but the Canadians but, do. But, 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 there, but the thing was that that Nashville team, I mean, since they've been a competitive team, they've always had a, a, an A or A plus defense. A D yeah. They, I mean, they were better defensively. I mean, they're and, not where they are now. Now they're the, one of the top teams in the league defensively, but. And, and the, the, the Canadians have to hope that Weber rubs off on some of their young defensemen like Correct. Julio, but and, and guys like Petrie are, 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 are pretty decent, you know, mid pairing, bottom pairing guys. But Amelin Markov is is very old, is very old. You know, don't know whether their first round pick Juleson will be coming up. I mean, the thing is, is like the, that defense is nowhere near as strong as Nashville's has have, have been in, in the past. Yeah. 
No, I agree. And I do, I do agree with that for sure. And, and they probably have a little more scoring than that Nashville team had right. in the past as well. When Radulov was it for a period there, um, you know, where they were really, and there are some, I mean, you do have some talented, like Pacioretty is a very, very good player. So you have some, you do have some talent there for sure. Um, anyway, that's all the time we have for today, but um, guys, we'll, we'll be back again tomorrow or tomorrow we'll be discussing the John, um, John Tortorella's latest comment. John Tortorella's latest comment. <laughs> And you know the beginning, and and we'll be previewing the games that are on. They're on ESPN two tomorrow night and on TSN. I think the uh, so you have some World Cup of Hockey games that you can watch tomorrow night, and uh, and we'll go from there. So remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you later. Thanks for watching. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.